This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so excited you're joining us today. We've got a wonderful guest, wonderful author coming on, and the book is extremely interesting. It's going to be different than our normal, perhaps, man meets dog, dog falls in love with man or girl, and uh, you know the romance, uh, puppy finds a good way home. This is going to be in some really interesting stuff about really what makes our animals tick, and more importantly, what makes our humans tick, and how can we continue to learn from the animals. So I'm super excited about that. We're going to be talking to author Jackie Higgins just in a moment about her new book, uh, Sentient. So everybody hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Here's an alarming statistic. More than two-thirds of dogs and cats have oral health disease by the age of three. And one of the indicators is bad breath. Do your pets have a healthy mouth? Do you cringe when it's time for a kiss or a snuggle? Let's get to the cause. Harmful bacteria in their mouth. And bad breath is just the start. The bad bacteria cause tartar and oral disease, which can lead to serious overall health problems. It's critical to make sure your pet's oral health is the best it can be, as good dental health is key to optimizing their overall health. Now, good news. It's easy and affordable to improve their oral health with Probiora Pet. Just one scoop of this dental care probiotic mixed into their food daily floods the mouth with positive bacteria, which crowds out the bad. This means better oral health and fresher breath. Probiora Pet is an all-natural dental care probiotic. It's odor and taste-free, so your pets will still enjoy their chow. We want to keep your pets healthy. During National Pet Oral Health Month, our listeners can save 10%. Go to ProBiorapet.com and use PLR10 at checkout. That's ProBiorapet.com. Use PLR10 at checkout to save 10%. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining us now is uh, author, writer, producer, director. Uh, she's a graduate of Oxford University, studied zoology, and she's worked with uh, oh, a whole host of great, great uh, documentary, animal, and environmental books and movie shows. Everybody from uh, National Geographic, Discovery Channel, BBC Science, uh, the whole host of all those great, wonderful shows. We've got author Jackie Higgins joining us tonight. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. It's a thrill to be here. Uh, we're super excited to have you here because the book was fascinating right off the beginning. Because we have to say, you know, uh, we love our animals here at Pet Life Radio. And we also love the romance novels and uh, how the dog helped the man come to his senses and pick the right bride and all those wonderful things that we get. <laughs> but we don't always get a book called Sentient, How Animals Illuminate the Wonder of our human senses and talking about six senses. And I always like to investigate, you know, how can we continue to learn from our animals because they are our best teachers. So tell us Jackie, a little bit about, about the book itself and what can the uh, readers come to expect? So, so I'm, I'm a zoologist, as you, as you said earlier, I studied zoology at university and so I've been interested in animals since I was a kid. I mean, you know, I grew up by the sea in Cornwall And I was always kind of overturning rocks in rock pools. 
And so I've always been curious about animals, but I suppose for the main reason is I think of the animal kingdom as one, an extended family. I mean, we're related to all these creatures, you know, you and I are distant cousins, but you know, my two dogs downstairs, I'm distantly related to, as are you and all animals, all plants, you know, the whole of the diversity of life on this planet. I see it as a, a big sprawling evolutionary family tree. And so zoology, to my mind, is a way of better understanding ourselves. So I suppose in the same way that you might look to your mum and dad to try and understand yourself a little bit better. I mean, this is a bigger leap, of course, but there is so much to learn from other animals and other creatures about being human. And sentient, this book is about our senses and how we sense the world. And because sensing the world is such an, I mean, it circumscribes every waking moment of our, of our life. And so it's the most mundane and boring thing in a way. It's every Monday morning as we struggle out of bed, you know, our senses kick in, but they're happening so regularly. It's all unfolding so mundanely that we forget how wonderful it is. So I'm using animals in the book to give us a little bit of distance on ourselves and to teach us about how we see, smell, touch and taste the world and hear the world. So Aristotle's five known senses, but also this notion that we have more than five senses, as you alluded to in your intro, Tim, the sixth sense. <laughs> There's two parts to that. I mean, the whole thing's fascinating. It did a fantastic job on the book, and I love how you put it all together to, to make us non-studied Oxford folks understand it and how we can relate to the animals. But the two things that, that really struck me, uh, struck a chord with me is one, talking about the connection with animals and uh, the, the various senses they have and going beyond the normal senses. So, for instance, as you stated with uh, Aristotle, you know, we know that from a scientific standpoint, we've got the sense of smell, sense of hearing, sense of sight, so on and so forth. In the book, you not only cover how can we tune into our animals to enhance those five senses, but then how can we take it a step forward and go with that sixth sense? And, and yeah. we're not talking about, you know, you know, six senses. Uh, yeah. Like the movie six sense. We're not talking about yeah. that. And we're not talking about, you know, a deep metaphysical astrology, you know, these, the, the things that some people were like, Oh, that's gotta be new age type things. This is really tapping into something we already have and not yeah. and aren't using on a regular basis. This is bona fide a scientific fact and not just a sixth sense, but a seventh and eighth and ninth and, and upwards maybe of 22 senses and some neuroscientists say 33. So it's, yes, we have very many more senses. I mean, part of it depends on how one defines a sense. You know, if you define a sense according to the sensor, as opposed to the sensory organ, you know, our eye, for example, has more senses than just enable us to see. You can talk about, in the book, I talk about color vision and the sensors are cone cells on, on the back of our retina that enable us to see color or dark vision. And the sensors on our retina are rods and they enable us to kind of see in the dark or at twilight. But then also what was extraordinary is I learned that I met this scientist called Russell Foster, who was convinced there was yet another sensor in our eye, a light sensor, that wasn't to do with building your picture or your vision of the world, but enabled us to track time or keep on track with the, with the push and pull of night and day. And he said that the sensor existed, or he proposed hypothetically that this sensor existed. And he was poo-pooed by the kind of scientific establishment, but he did his rigorous research and he disproved them and published in highly eminent papers. And the idea of 
this light sensor is now considered scientific fact. And this enables, and that's one of my senses that I talk about that people often forget that they or don't aren't aware that they have. But we have this ability to sense and track time and keep on track with the circadian rhythms and our body clocks. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so for, from the study of it, I'm you know, obviously totally fascinated by that because I've heard, dabbled a little bit of this, not as many senses as you brought up here through all your research. But the thing that fascinates me is the fact that you take vision. And as you said, opening our eyes on a Monday morning is hard enough just to, to get a glimpse at life. <laughs> How in the world does a, a guy from Atlanta, Georgia, USA do more than that? And how, to, how, how can you teach others or through the book, uh, people learn how to really delve in there and realize that there's multiple, I call them layers, layers within each of yeah. the five or six or seven senses that, that we know exist. Yes, absolutely. And, and um, touch for me was a very interesting sense. Often, I mean, there was a conversation going on with the people who I met, the scientists who I met, the people with unusual senses who I met, the scientists studying the human body, the scientists studying animal bodies, physiology, neuroscience. And the ongoing conversation, it was you know, if you had to lose a sense, which one would you least like to lose? And most people would say vision. But, you know, writing each chapter, every time I wrote the new chapter, it would be that sense that really troubled me if I lost. And so each chapter is a deep dive into these different senses. So touch, I was, I was going to tell you about touch, which, you know, is often the one that people think, well, touch, probably could do without touch. But touch, I talk about the senses at our fingertips, for example, and I use the star-nosed mole to explore our sense of touch, how we feel the world, its topography, the lay of the land, the roughness of a corrugated roughness of a walnut, or the smooth, cool ball bearing smoothness. And in our fingers, there are all these different senses that enable us to make sense of this topography. And these senses are around our body as well, but particularly dense in, say, in our fingertips, our hands, our feet, our lips. This is what scientists refer to as discriminative touch. But new research is coming out about a wholly different aspect to touch, which, of course, we shouldn't be surprised by, but it's, it's kind of emotional touch or affected touch. So it's not the act of touching something and learning about something, but the feelings engendered when you are touched. It's about being touched. And there are senses, for example, they tend to be in the hairier parts of our body. So if you imagine your arm, you know, a sensor that is only being understood now is that a neuron inside our skin, say, say on, in the hairier parts of our body, so say our arm. And the scientists, um, Francis McGlone and his crew and, and others, have found that it activates when you're being stroked very lightly at a certain speed, a stroking speed, and the thing that is touching you is the same temperature as you. So it's like a caress sensor. And this is something that's only really being understood. And it's fascinating. I mean, our skin was full of surprises for me. I mean, you might look up into the night sky as I'm doing at the moment over here in England and think that that's the kind of last, the last frontier. Or you might look at the deep ocean and think of that. But you just have to look at your skin. I mean, our skin is quite wonderful and extraordinary, and we're learning about it. In fact, the chap who won the Nobel Prize this year, the two chaps who won the Nobel Prize for Physiology and Medicine, they are experts in the senses in our skin. They're trying to understand why a chili tastes spicy, why it's painful, how temperature sensors work. 
So it's really cutting edge research. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Also, I you know I, I never like to dwell on the uh, most recent pandemic we're going through, but at a very high level, missing out on some of the normal touching of of someone, shaking someone's hand, giving them a hug, seeing the things going to places and seeing them with our eyes, these type of things at a very high level, that's missing or has been missing uh, for yeah. most of us. And then Absolutely. when you yeah, and then when you boil it down to some of the things you're saying with the sense of touch within yourself to get to know yourself, what a perfect opportunity to get into that, to enhance that, to realize. Because if you're truthfully, you know, if you're spending more time alone, why not to get to know yourself better? Why not to try to understand and appreciate what the sense of touch is and how can you feel that at a deeper level? It was, I don't know, there were articles in the papers during the pandemic about how Britain, how the Brits started to buy more pets, more cats and more dogs during the pandemic. Yep, same here. And I'm sure that was to do with a craving for touch and for company, a sensory craving as much as a kind of company craving. So yes, I mean, I think one of the scientists who I interviewed for the book, this chap called Francis McGlone, would argue that touch is not a sentimental indulgence, but a biological necessity. And he laments and fears for the repercussions of the lack of touch that we have endured during the long isolations of this pandemic. And he thinks there will be repercussions from this. Yeah, I absolutely do believe that as well. So I think it's fascinating. You know, it's um, hopefully we will all recover. Maybe if we spend more time getting to know more about ourselves, this will help us when we actually uh, do get out in the real world once again. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Well, now, Jack, I talk to uh, my clients and people I know all the time about learning from your animals, the great teaching. Uh, And but most of the time, it falls on your domestic animals. You know, our dogs and our cats, maybe our horses, maybe some other domestic animals to be able to watch them and get in tune with them and, and allow them to teach us to, you know, reflect and meditate, take time to ourselves, be in the moment, these type of things. But the fascinating thing I, I found with your book is, you know, I know you love dogs and cats and horses. You have to, you love all animals. <laughs> You're a zoologist. I understand that. <laughs> but a quick read through the book real quick. We're talking about the peacock mantis shrimp, the spook fish, <laughs> the star-nosed mole that you had mentioned, the, uh, the goliath catfish, the blood... Uh, these are not, uh, if you asked uh, 10 people to name off their top 10 pets or top 10 animals they know, probably would not fall on their tongues. <laughs> they are exceptional and intriguing animals. They are all maestros in one sensory field. So the peacock mantis shrimp has extraordinary color vision. The deep sea spookfish lives down in the bathypelagic depths of the ocean where there's hardly any light at all and yet can see. So it's brilliant at dark vision. The bloodhound, I couldn't resist, is obviously brilliant at smell. The catfish is great fun. People rather like the catfish, the Goliath catfish, no less. This enormous river monster from the Amazon. And like all catfishes, its taste buds which are on our tongue, its taste buds are on its body. So scientists have likened it to a swimming tongue. I love the the (laughs) idea of this gargantuan creature swimming through the Amazon and in the black waters where where the water is really soupy and thick. And so vision is not particularly good. And it uses taste to track its prey and catch its prey. So all these creatures, the octopus and its sense of its exceptional sense of body, a sense that we all use day to day, but is so automatic, so familiar. Its technical term is proprioception. Um, the body sense is what I called it in the book. But the way that 
it, I mean, it's nature's Houdini. I mean, it's like liquid. It pours itself through cracks because it has no skeleton. And so it has to have exceptional body control. So yes, these creatures are not your everyday creatures. They are, um, they're wonderful and intriguing in different ways. And each yeah. one says something about us. I think that's critical. I love how you tied that all together because we, you know, when I look at the book, you know, if we had to categorize, if I put my simplistic categorization in it, I'm learning by reading this book, Sentient, how animals illuminate the wonder of our human senses. I'm learning about creatures that I may not know or, or may not know as much about as I thought I did. I'm learning how they use various senses as a way of their life, you know, and they do it better than any other animal out there. I'm learning yeah. about my sixth sense, how to tap into that and how to use, uh, uh, watch our animals and live our animals' life and, and study our animals to tap into that at a deeper level and to get to know myself a little bit uh, in more detail. So, there, you know, it's a wonderful book. It's got the scientific aspect of it, but it's also got a way to connect with these animals and learn once again from uh, the animals who are greatest teachers. Thank you, Tim. That's th Those are lovely words, very generous words. And I'm glad you think that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back after this uh, brief break, talk a little bit more with uh, author Jackie Higgins about her book, Sentient. We'll talk to Jackie a little bit about uh, the writing of the book and writing in general and how that compares to all the other wonderful writing she's done for, uh, for film and, and et cetera. So everybody hang tight. Uh, we'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continue our conversation with uh, author Jackie Higgins, her book uh, Sentient, How Animals Illuminate the Wonder of Our Human Senses. So, Jackie, we know you've, uh, as you mentioned, you know, studied zoology at Oxford. You've studied animals for years. You've loved animals for years. And uh, you obviously done a great job of uh, writing and producing, directing uh, many uh, films and uh, documentaries and stuff for uh, you know, people like the BBC, Nova, uh, Scientific Films, etc. What made you want to write this book? And how did you sit down and say, oh, this is going to be easy. I can whip this out in about an hour or two and be ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> a moment of madness, I think. <laughs> I am... Um... Well, the way I approached it is a little was very much like when I was given a Horizon, for example, to make. A Horizon is a BBC series like PBS Nova. They often did right. co-productions. And I looked into the subject and I looked for my characters. 
both the wildlife, the animals, but also the people, because the people are just as important. And I scripted the chapters a little bit like I would script a one-hour documentary um, show. So I tell stories, essentially, and tell stories simply. My, you may have noticed, or the beady-eyed will notice, that my um, book is dedicated to my mum, my mother, who's mm -hmm. um, inspired me with this kind of curiosity and, and this sense of wonder about the world. And um, when I was writing scripts for TV documentaries, science and wildlife films, she was always my audience. So if as I was writing through a, you know, I'm, I'm trying to digest a complicated piece of science and I'm relaying it through scientist voices and commentary in between, if my mother couldn't understand what I was going on about, then I knew <laughs> that I'd lost everybody. So... <laughs> what a great sounding board. Yeah. It's a to... <laughs> like, oh, <she's> critic. <laughs> that does make me laugh because uh, when I uh, was in university, as, as you say, I'd come home for uh, the weekends or basically when my clothes needed washed and I needed a good meal, I would come home and uh, I was very active in college and uh, I, I would always come to mom and say, you know, I've done this, I've done this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm involved in this, I'm leading this group, so on and so forth. And uh, she'd nod her head and smile and say, that's just wonderful, Timmy. And uh, <laughs> then about, about an hour or two later, when, they, when I finally shut up for a while, she would come back and say, now, what was that thing you were talking about this, you know, the homecoming committee? And I I realized I just totally lost her because there's no homecoming <laughs> parade in our little town. So I have to explain what that is and what that means and why it's a, a big thing that I'm actually, you know, the, the head guy running that thing. And uh, yes. so I think that's a great sounding board. It makes yes. me smile. The fact if, yes. if, if mom doesn't understand what we're talking about here, then we've lost the majority. Lost the audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so very good. And so, and so it is told as stories and adventures into each sense, um, told through creatures that just tickled my curiosity because they're so wonderful. So yes, I approached it like I approached the book like I was writing a series of documentaries. Yeah. And as for this subject, when I started making um, science documentaries some moons ago, there was a super series called Super Sense. I don't know whether it got it reached your shores, but it was about how animals sense the world. But they used really superb kind of camera techniques and slow-mo and high speed and fabulous lenses, like, you know, multifaceted lenses to give you an idea about how a fly might perceive the world through its compound eye. Anyway, so that series made me curious about what it's like to be a bat or what it's like to be an octopus. So yes, yeah, so this is how the germ of the idea started. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, there, there are shows out uh, that I've watched regularly and I love the ones where they can actually manage to uh, comfortably fit like a GoPro camera on an animal yes. to find things that we don't see. And, you know, and, and of course the camera at a period of time, it, you know, it falls off and then collect the data, yeah. but, but it gives a real fascinating look to what are they really seeing and why are they doing some of the things they're doing and uh, things we didn't know that they did. Yeah, so and their freedom, whether they're flying or swimming or deep diving. Yes, beautiful, really yeah. beautiful cinematography. Absolutely. So the, talk about the research behind this, because obviously you're, you're a wealth of knowledge and you, you've been around animals and you've done a lot of uh, documentaries and shows and produced a lot of things. So I know you know your animals, but how did you determine which of these am I, going, am I most fascinated about? And then how do I find out more about them? How was the research process and, and how'd you go about narrowing down uh, yes. maybe some of the other experts that, that need to chime in on this? 
I mean, this was possibly the biggest challenge that I faced because essentially to select a cast of creatures to represent our different human senses, because essentially the entire animal kingdom was at my disposal. So you're talking about a million or so known species plus those that are discovered every new year. So the way that, and I, and I had a list at the very beginning, which kind of shrunk and morphed and morphed and grew and shrunk and grew and grew and grew. And I had to be quite tough. And the way that I whittled it down is I would research. I mean, essentially, there were two things that the animal had, two boxes that the creature had to tick. One was there had to be some really interesting scientific investigation into its sensory um, ability. And the second was that it had to shed light on our own capabilities. And with those two rules, the um, field started to kind of started to narrow. But in all honesty, I mean, I have 12 chapters. In all honesty, it could have been double that. It was really, I had to be quite strict with myself. And, and, I, had, and I had to deliver a book as well. I'd, the book had been commissioned and I had a you know, set amount of time to do it. So <laughs> so right. I yeah. Uh, no, use use it. No, use it as a marketing plug. Uh, I know your editors and publicists will be listening to this, so we've got enough material for uh, yeah. Sentient Part Two here. <laughs> uh, just saying. Don't know if the ink's dry on the contract, but uh. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think that'll bite. But I mean, you know, I mean, each. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Each chapter was an adventure, and I was incredibly lucky to chat to the scientists who I chatted to, and even luckier to meet some of the people who shared their stories, people who who feel pain in an atypical way, maybe too much pain or too little pain, people who see many more colors than the rest of us, people who, through going blind, have lost that sense of time we talked about earlier and have, have lost track of the turn of day and night. People who've lost their sense of proprioception and are unable to feel their body. And I don't just mean as in touch, I mean, they're touch blind, but a deeper sense of, you know, when they close their eyes, they they feel disembodied. They've lost the sense that their body is there. And I was incredibly, I feel very honored that these people trusted me to share their stories. So yeah, each chapter was a deep dive and it kind of, in the way that when you're writing, things organically take shape. You meet people, you see that that's the story that you want to share, I suppose. So yes, it kind of evolved. Yeah. And that that's the, uh, and when I talk about earlier about the book, Sinti and your book, you know, I talk about the layers as I see it as pure novice behind this, you know, there is sort of the deep dive into the scientific portions of it. And now you're talking about uh, interviewing people who have uh, some unique abilities or unique ways of going through life or, or struggles or challenges they have to go through based on these senses. Yes. And then the deeper meaning I keep reflecting back to is the fact that how do we know that? How do we learn that? How do, how do we take that in as just the reader of the book? And then what's that mean to us? How do we deepen our level of senses and, and yes. obviously come up with that uh, elusive sixth sense or 25th sense, depending yes. on who you're talking to? <laughs> so the book does a fantastic job of that. Thank you. Now that it's said and done, great book, great. It's out there and everybody go out and pick a copy of uh, Sentient by Jackie Higgins. Jackie, before I let you off the hook here. <laughs> <laughs> like the Goliath catfish. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's right. Very good. So when we talk about the catfish in the room right at the moment, um, what do you hope people get out of uh, out of reading the book? Once they pick it up, there's so many different layers to it. But uh, what do you, what do you, is a, a end goal that if you say, hmm, if they got this out of it, I'm I'm happy person. 
though, there was one quote. You, Oliver Sacks appears occasionally in the book, as you, you may have seen. And after the book had been commissioned, I was reading his op-ed piece that he wrote, the last op-ed piece he wrote for The New Yorker, in which he knew that he was going to die. And I came across this line, and I've included it at the end of my introduction. It said, I cannot pretend I'm without fear. But my predominant feeling is one of gratitude. Above all, I've been a sentient being, a thinking animal on this beautiful planet. And that in itself has been an enormous privilege and adventure. So that's how I end my introduction. I had that quote tagged above my computer throughout writing this book. And for me, I want to show people that that we are all enormously privileged. And every moment of every day when we're feeling fed up and bored or you know, COVID has gone on too long or whatever it is, there is so much joy and wonder within the everyday. So they were, I've described them before as those words were like my worry beads. For me, if I've begun to deliver a little bit of that joy and that wonder to someone so that their boring becomes much more exciting and interesting and wondrous, then I will be happy. There you go. Live that wondrous life that we're here for, right? Yeah. And turn to our animals. Yeah. And turn to our animals if we need a a reminder of how great it is. Completely. Absolutely. And back to that thing I said at the very beginning that we're part of this massive, sprawling, epic evolutionary family tree. And there's so much to learn from these other creatures that we share the planet with. There you go. Love it. Love it. So everybody go out and pick up a copy of the book. It's sentient. It's available uh, at all your normal places. Uh, So pick up a copy of it. uh, Sentient, uh, How Animals Illuminate the Wonder of Our Human Senses by Jackie Higgins. Jackie, it was a pleasure talking to you. Congratulations on a a fantastic piece of work here. And uh, hopefully our paths will cross and we'll uh, have a chance to sit down and chat again uh, somewhere down the road. I'd love that, Tim. And thank you for your generous words and giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank the uh, producers and sponsors for allowing me to host the show. And obviously, if you uh, want to learn more about uh, this show, as well as uh, take a look at all the other plethora of great entertainment we've got at Pet Life Radio, just go to PetLifeRadio.com. There's uh, wonderful entertainment abound, and you can listen to all my wonderful episodes as well on Animal Rights. Uh, so that's at PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions, ideas, comments for the show or people you want to hear from, drop us a line. Um, once again, you can go to PetLifeRadio.com, and we'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear from most. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life, put it in a book, an article, or on a blog. And who knows, you may be the next guest animal rights pet life radio have a great day let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com